Welcome to the Crazy Cool Family Podcast with Don and Suzanne Manning. Parents, what if we could give you the power to transform your family into something absolutely amazing? A family where everyone is healthy, gets along, loves Jesus, and has great purpose in life. Hey, let us flip your thinking to unlock the power God has given you to create your own Crazy Cool Family. everybody this is macy and jared robinson we have taken over the crazy cool family podcast and we are talking all about marriage this month is the marriage march the month of march we are talking all about marriages so i'm excited to have my husband here we're going to talk about our first year of marriage and he's going to share a little bit of our background and story as we get started yeah, um, I'm excited to be back on the podcast uh, talking with you guys once again. Um, but yeah, so Macy and I, we met um, in a discipleship school in College Station, Texas. Um, I first met her on the basketball court, actually, yeah. and that's where I probably fell in love but with this beautiful girl. <laughs> um, not only is she beautiful, but she can hoop, so that was very attractive to me. Um, so we, we dated exactly one year. Um, we're engaged for three months and then got married last February. So we just hit our one year of marriage. Woohoo! We made it through our one year. And that's why my parents had us come on and share. We know we don't have a ton of marriage experience, but we did get married right before a global pandemic. And so we are going to talk a little bit about um, just walking through the fire together this year in the midst of all the changes and just a couple of things we want to make sure we get across from the beginning is when we first decided to get married, we both really wanted our marriage to be based on mission. And that's not something we really knew what, uh, what, it, what it would unfold to be, but we knew that we wanted the word marriage to be uh, synonymous with the word mission. And it's kind of crazy because we got married February 1st of 2020, and the pandemic hit about six weeks later. And so this whole idea of being on mission and going on mission together got totally flipped on its head. And we became um, in a one-bedroom apartment, shelter in place together. And that's basically what the first six months of our marriage looked like. And we actually both got COVID in the first six months of our marriage. And so that whole line about I'll love you through sickness and health <laughs> really rang true for us. And so... We had a ton of time in our first year of marriage together, just us, and what we saw was character really came out. We we saw that we loved each other and we chose each other, but we didn't really know everything about each other. And basically the bottom line of what we've realized from our first year is that marriage is a huge, huge change. And for me, I don't remember exactly when I was taught this, but anytime I feel out of control or I feel like there's a transition happening in my life. Um, I kind of go through this mental checklist or this heart checklist, if you will, of, okay, Mace, how are you doing physically, emotionally, spiritually, and mentally? All the elites. And I just go through them and I start thinking, okay, like, where am I at? Am I okay? And so that's actually kind of how we want to just set up this podcast today is, we want to share a little bit about how we walked through our first year of marriage through those four things. And what did we learn 
not just about marriage, but about ourselves and our hearts and our relationships with God along the way. So wherever you are, we hope that this encourages you uh, because we just, we believe that marriage is about mission and we believe we have so much more to discover. But here's just some of the things that we've learned in our first year. So the first thing we talk about or we're going to talk about is what did we learn about ourselves physically through this first crazy change, this first year of marriage? Yeah, and I'll go ahead and start us off. Um, You know, when it comes to just physical health um, overall, you know, one thing that I really learned is that my personal health is like extremely important on how healthy I am in all of the other categories as well. It kind of all is tied together and interconnected. So, you know, after Macy and I got married, I had to choose like every morning, am I going to lay here an extra hour or two and cuddle my new wife? (laughs) Or am I going to get up, be disappointed and go to the gym? And obviously when I first got married, didn't always make the best choice for myself. (laughs) Which one's the best choice? The cuddling (laughs) or the exercising? Because I see like pros in both. Definitely pros to both. But (laughs) overall, like I've just realized that in order to be my best self, like I really do have to take care of myself physically. Yeah. Um, and, you know, a big part of that for me is going to the gym, you know, four or five times a week, just being able to get out some tension and being able to kind of just get out some emotions even, you know, through a workout. And it really just kind of like brings me back to an even keel. Um, and another big part of that is just being or choosing like healthy foods to eat as yeah. well. I feel like getting married it's fun to go out to eat all the time and get desserts and macy loves ice cream so that was a (laughs) frozen yogurt especially (laughs) exactly (laughs) and that was not always the biggest part of my diet before getting married so morphing all of those together when you are married and you know figuring that out with your partner is definitely a challenge but definitely my personal health is one of the biggest priorities for me and staying healthy and being a healthy husband overall. Yeah. Well, and we saw the differences in each other. Like we started using that language. We were able to say it in a kind way, not like a negative way. But if either of us went a couple days without working out and we started to get grumpy or we started to eat a lot of junk food, we would kind of look at the other person and be like, hey, babe, do do you want to go on a run? Not in like a you're fat conversation (laughs) kind of way, but just like a Hey, I've seen you be healthy when you're choosing healthy things to stay active, to eat healthy. Let me come alongside you and do it with you. And we even made a decision right after we or right as we got COVID. I'm spacing somewhere in the midst of the COVID. It's all a big blur. In the summer, we both decided to do something healthy together for 30 days And we saw like such good fruit from working out consistently together and eating healthy And so I think something we both learned physically was we own, and that's kind of a theme throughout everything we're going to say, like we own our physical health as an individual. Like I am in charge of getting up and working out each morning or going on a run when I get home from work. And I'm in charge of how many scoops of ice cream I eat every single day. (laughs) Jared doesn't control that, but we also get to speak into it and we get to share with each other like, hey like spur him on or spur me on to be healthy and be our healthiest selves. And it's a choice. And I think that's what we're going to keep saying throughout the rest of this is everything we did or didn't do physically came down to a choice of, did we want to be healthy and did we want to like grow in our physical health throughout our marriage? 
And so the next thing that we would mentally check is uh, emotionally how we were doing. So physically was the first one. Emotionally was the second one. And one of the biggest things, I've always been categorized as a feeler my whole life. I have deep and wide and long and high and all the descriptive words for emotions. I always have. And I feel like that's one of the biggest places God has met me is in the midst of my emotions. But one of the things I've learned through marriage is how to right size the emotions. And basically what I mean by this is my relationship with God is the first place I am invited to go to process the things that I'm feeling. And then the very next place I get to go is my marriage and to process it with Jared, my loving husband who chose me, emotions and all. And honestly, that was something really hard for me to step into and get the order of it right. Because I just live with my heart on my sleeve or I live with a lot of feelings inside of me and I thought I was really good at processing them because it had been me and Jesus processing them all the way but then this big strong knight in armor man walks in the room and I'm like oh he's a real person I can process everything with him he'll let me cry on his shoulder he'll let me you know be mad at him he'll let me do all the things and the reality is I am still invited to take my emotions to Jesus first and process them with him. He's my forever processor. And then I get to go to my husband, which kind of leads to the second thing that I learned is I really struggled and struggle with perfectionism and wanting to be perfect. And so that idea of being the perfect wife or having it all together Um, made me feel like I needed to process my emotions before I could bring it to Jared. It needed to be neat and tidy and I needed to to already process it. Um, But what something else God taught me, it's kind of coming from two ends of the spectrum. It's like I was too vulnerable and then I wasn't vulnerable enough because I wanted to be polished. But I feel like what God taught me is that like go to him first, like go to Jesus first and process it and then let Jared be my teammate. And let him yeah. be there to process the emotions with me and, and don't hide from him and don't shy away. But he's not my first go-to when the world is crumbling underneath me or so it feels like Jesus is. He's my Savior. He's my Lord. Jared is my husband. He's a gift from God to process with me. But he's not in charge of my emotions, if that makes sense. Thank God for that. <laughs> <laughs> There's a lot. Yeah. And, you know, just for me, I mean... I'm definitely a feeler as well. I'm a pretty reserved and more of a quiet person, but I definitely feel things on a deep level and don't always really know how to process them. I mean, whenever I was growing up, you know, within my own family and my friend groups, you know, emotions weren't really a thing that we talked about, um, you know, on a really regular basis or at all in most cases. So whenever I did marry Macy and got to know her, you know, whenever we would talk about our emotions, it was really easy and it still is pretty easy for me to get shut down or feel overwhelmed because I don't really know what I'm doing when it comes to processing emotions. So it's definitely something that I'm in a learning process and getting better at, I would say, over the past year for sure. But, you know, something that I'm learning how to do is just like start off by identifying what it is that I'm actually feeling Um, and that's really like the hardest part for me sometimes. Like I have, I know I'm feeling something deep. I don't know if it's anger or if it's anxiety or if it's stress or whatever it might be, but identifying it first is always a really powerful first step. Yeah. Um, and you know, whenever it comes to like another thing that I learned is just 
the first few months of our marriage, um, because I am a feeler, I would kind of pick up on what Macy was feeling, you know, if she was feeling down or stressed out from work or whatever it might be that I would actually kind of match or like mirror her, her feelings. And like, if she was feeling down, I would feel down with her and she was able to process through it. And I would be like, why am I feeling down still? Cause I always get stuck in that place. And I, that's something that I've really learned recently is that, Hey, I've had a great day. Like I'm in a great spot. I can actually use my emotions to help pull Macy out if she is in a, in a lower spot or a bad spot um, and help both of us get out of it together. So yeah. definitely a learning process, like I said. So I'm still a baby when it comes to <laughs> processing emotions, <laughs> but we're definitely learning. Big man baby. <laughs> <Exactly>. <laughs> yeah, I definitely agree with that. And I think that emotions are something that we have to figure out just as humanity have to figure out how to have emotional intelligence. Schools are realizing this. Corporations are realizing this. There's so much research coming out right now about emotional intelligence, how to be like an emotional scientist and how to understand emotions. Because what we're seeing is when people feel stuck in their emotions, they can't grow. It's like, like if your heart is a soil and and you're trying to grow things in that soil, it's like laying tar all over the soil when you choose to suppress your emotions. It's not helpful. And I think husbands and wives specifically, I know we're young and we're young in our marriage, but we've seen that. Like the moments where we choose to be honest with our emotions and our feelings go so much better than we ju- when we just try to shove it under the rug and pretend like it doesn't exist because it comes out eventually, yeah. whether it's healthy or not. And that's just like something we've both seen this year as feelers, as emotional people that like it's worth it to process through the emotions. And it's like the best when you've taken them to Jesus first and you come to your partner or your spouse and you're like, hey, this is what I'm feeling. This is this is how I took it to God. This is the lie I'm believing. I replace it with the truth. You know, there's all kinds of ways to process emotions. But at the end of the day, I really do believe God made us to do it together with Jesus first and then with each other. Yeah. And one more thing that I'll add to that too is like, especially in the first few months, I felt like that I always had to be like your solution whenever you were feeling something deep or I picked up on something and that I had to have all the right words or all the right questions to ask you to like unlock your emotions. But a lot of times all it took was just me being there for you, sitting down with you, giving you a hug, holding your hand, whatever it might be. Yeah. And just being there to like listen to you if you wanted to talk. Sometimes you didn't. And I would just sit there with you and yeah. it would help get you out of it. So Yeah. And even like affirming. I remember some of the yeah. best phrases you said in those moments and still do say is like, Hey babe, we're on the same team. Hey, like I love you and I support you through this. You can feel this as long as you want. I'm not going anywhere. I love you. Like just those reminders, especially as a woman, I feel like that is so helpful to know that like my man is not going anywhere, even if I'm crazy. The verse we joke about all the time is in Proverbs. It's like, it's better <laughs> for a man to live on the corner of the roof of a house than in inside or in the house of a nagging woman yeah. <laughs> or whatever. <laughs> and we think that verse is so funny because it's just so true. Like, like I love that he's there and he's protecting me, but there's so many moments where I'm picking him apart or I'm nagging him. And he's like, I just want to go sit on the corner of a roof right now. Like I do not want to be here. <laughs> so it's helpful when he's affirming you in the midst of the 
the storm or the chaos that he's there for you. Okay, I hope you're still with us. I hope you're still listening and that the physically and emotionally learned like revelations that we've had are helpful or maybe just helping you as you're thinking about your marriage and how you guys can grow because that's ultimately what we're doing. We're just presenting information. We're presenting our baby marriage to you guys and saying like just just learn anything that we've we've done right or wrong just learn from us and we hope it encourages you and so two more uh categories the next one is spiritually what have we learned about ourselves what have we learned about our marriage when it comes to our spirituality and this is uh kind of hard to share but i felt like i was supposed to that um i always dreamed of the knight in shining armor coming to rescue me not that my life was hard or like crazy or anything but like coming and rescuing me and providing for me and providing security for me and all these things. And, and then we got married and we went on an amazing honeymoon and we came back and the pandemic hit. And all of a sudden I was just being hit with like wave after wave after wave of like, nothing is good enough. And I was really struggling with this whole concept of contentment. I was married. I had a husband. We were having sleepovers every (laughs) night and it was awesome and my job was great and we were figuring it out, but I just really was struggling with this whole idea of like, I'm, I'm content in all things. Like Paul writes about in the new Testament, like through every season, through every circumstance, I am content in Christ. I was just really struggling. Um, and one of the ways that that kind of came out was Jared never really felt like enough. And I was constantly picking him apart and, and through it, it was a several month season. I, I would say there's still residue from it of things that I'm learning about that spirit of discontentment. But one of the things that I feel like God reminded me over and over and over is that like he fully satisfies me and Jared is like an abundance of that provision in the ways that God satisfies, not flipped over the other way. So it's like, imagine a glass of water and God is the water that fills the cup all the way up to overflow. And then Jared is just like an extra pitcher that gets dumped into the water to make it overflow into the cup. And I think that's like been really hard for me to wrestle with and figure out and honestly, like not allow Jared to be like an idol or a Lord in my life because he's amazing and and God like gave him to me. And that's like so, so mind blowing But at the end of the day, Jesus is my first love and he is my Lord and my savior. And so I go to him for everything I need. And I think in this first year of marriage, that was, that was like a pretty big adjustment to make because I had him all the time, especially in the pandemic. So it was almost easier to go to him for all of my needs instead of going to God. But I feel like God continually reminded me and is still reminding me every day that God is the one that satisfies, that God takes care of my heart and my spirit and and is my daily bread. Yeah, that's good. You know, for me, I feel like just to be vulnerable with you guys as well, just like Macy is sharing some deep things, you know, I feel like I really did um, kind of go through a hard time um, this past summer with with COVID hitting, um, you know, being, being in lockdown in our one bedroom apartment, working from home, I had a pretty brutal job, you know, over the summer, taking phone calls all day long um, in yeah. the finance industry with the stock market falling apart. <laughs> I could go on and on, but um, it was just a really hard time for me. Um, and I really wasn't necessarily spending um, consistent time with God in the mornings and getting filled up before I would 
go off on these hard days of work. Um, and that's where I just kind of learned that my relationship with God is my own. Yeah. It's not something that Macy can do for me. It's not something that anybody else can do for me. Something that I have to own and I have to pursue God. And he wants that relationship, you know, every single day. He's calling out to us every single day, but it's up to us to choose that yeah. and to actually choose to get filled up by him. And so, you know, I, I, I learned that I can't be a good head of my household. I can't lead my family without a strong relationship with God. Like only he can help me do that. Yeah. So I feel like, <clears throat> you know, one verse that, that God showed me like in the midst of all of that was, um, it's Psalm 77, six. And it says, let me remember my song in the night. Let me meditate it in my heart. Um, and that really just spoke to me because I feel like through the craziness, I had like forgot my song. I had forgot like everything that God had done for me in the past. And it was just kind of like buried in the craziness of life. Um, and that really kind of just like set me back on my path and just showed me like God wants, wants me to remember my song. He wants to like be there for me and help me get through these hard times. Yeah. So just like as an encouragement, I mean, husbands, you know, it really is up to you to pursue God on your own so that you can have the ability to lead your family well. Yeah, it's good. And, you know, I really do believe that one thing that got me through it was that Macy was praying for me consistently um, through that hard time. And obviously she noticed that I was struggling, but like I said, she couldn't do it for me. So wives, I don't know if you're going through anything like this or if you have before, but just keep pursuing God yourself and don't stop praying for your husband because God's there for him and he wants to help. Yeah, so good. And just be encouraged too that there's hope and sure. the season won't last forever, <clears throat> that there's like more of his goodness and his faithfulness in the midst of whatever season you're walking through. Like we all went through COVID together, so we knew the hardship in that, but there, there will be others. Like God doesn't always promise a perfect rosy life, but he promises to be with us through it. So I love that. Like husbands, like pursue God and wives pursue God. <laughs> like it's the yeah. same, whether you're a husband or a wife, pray for each other and lean into what it looks like to be the leaders of your family. And the last area we want to talk about is how we grew or what we learned mentally and we were talking about this a little bit earlier and Jared was kind of like, uh, what do you mean mentally? Like, <laughs> what does that even look like? And I think for me, whenever I think of like mental battles or growing in my um, mental health or mental capacity, it's a big conversation right now, just mental health in general. But whenever I think of like a mental state or a mindset, I always think of a like a minefield. Like there's constantly this like dance or this battle that we're going through in our heads. And for me, I actually learned this term from a Enneagram book. It's this term called a suicide. And it basically means that if you're not careful, you'll start thinking things in your head about your significant other, about a friend, about your kid, like about really any relationship in your life. And if you're not careful and you're not communicating your thoughts and your feelings, you can start committing what this term is, a suicide. And basically it's like you're assuming somebody to death or you're assuming that there's negative things about them or positive things about them. And I just remember that like so stuck out to me and, and the Holy Spirit used that term to like constantly draw me back to him that if I spend too much time assuming, then I don't spend any time asking 
And that's one of the biggest ways that we hit like a mental minefield and there was a blow up of a fight or avoidance or stress or tension in our house is I started assuming things about Jared instead of asking him. And so I just believe that our thought life is just as important as our physical health or our emotional health or our spiritual connection or relationship with God because I've seen it. Like I've seen it in our marriage that we go in the morning where I assume something about him like, oh, he didn't kiss me goodbye, so he's mad at me. And then I spend the rest of the day thinking about all the things I may have done wrong because I didn't just ask him, hey, babe, why didn't you kiss me goodbye? Like that's really important. And we both love kissing and you're a great kisser. So <laughs> yeah, <we do>. yeah. <laughs> what the heck? And so those mental minefields and, and being careful not to assume more than I ask is something I really learned. And the scriptures that just kind of come to mind in in this whole mental mindset process is 2 Corinthians 10, 5, and it says, We destroy arguments and every lofty opinion raised against the knowledge of God and take every thought captive to obey Christ. And I think in the NIV version it says, And make it obedient to Christ. And that's what I feel like um, the mental minefield is, is like, those thoughts might blow up in your head or you might go down that train of thought, but you have the power inside of you like to take those things captive, to destroy the arguments and the opinions and, and basically fix your mind on Christ, the author and perfecter of your faith. And, and then this other verse, James 1.15 also came to mind, but each person is tempted and when he is lured and enticed by his own desire, then desire is conceived and gives birth to sin. And when sin is fully grown, it gives, gives birth forth death. And I know that's kind of like a oh Debbie Downer verse and the whole chapter is super challenging. But basically something that I've taken from that is I don't even want to start down the road of like focusing on my desires or those like mental traps or minefields. I don't want to be lured or enticed by my own sinful feelings because the Bible's clear that if that keeps going, if that like progresses or grows, it turns into sin. And if that sin continues to grow, it only creates and brings death. And I just don't want that in my head. Like I believe the Holy Spirit gives me the power to take every thought captive and so I'm going to go for it. I'm going to stop it at the thought before it becomes a temptation or a sin and before it creates death in my marriage. And I think that that's just something I, I'm passionate about. I hope you hear that in my voice. Like I said, because I've seen it happen to me, like I've seen a perfectly fine day in my marriage go from happy-go-lucky Macy and Jared to like we can't even make eye contact because there's so much shame or frustration or insecurity looming in our heads and we haven't said anything to each other and I just believe it, it's powerful and it's important and we both still have so much to grow in that area me especially because my a lot of times thoughts will turn into emotions and feelings and I'll spiral um, but that's just something I've learned that I want to make sure I ask more than I assume. And I want to make sure I take thoughts captive with the Holy Spirit and make them obedient to Christ. That's so good. Um, you know, whenever Macy and I got married, our, our dating, um, year, our year of dating was honestly like so fun, so easy. We both put like our best foot forward and, <laughs> Really just had like a lot of fun, very few conflicts or fights throughout the entire thing. So going into marriage, I think I had a pretty skewed view of what it would be like. And I thought it would just be like fun date nights every night, sleepovers, going out to eat. <laughs> 
making food at home and it would all just be like fun and laughter and everything like that because that's the kind of people that we are but <laughs> or we were or we were <laughs> something changed the day we got married no but seriously we did have a lot more fights arguments conflicts than i ever thought that we were going to going to have and like i mentioned earlier like a lot of times when we would have one i would find myself shut down or feeling shameful or guilty that i said what i said or i didn't say what i wanted to say whatever it might be and I would just get like stuck and it. Sometimes it would last, you know, one, two or three days, yeah. especially when we first got married and didn't know how to get through that. Yeah. Um, but looking back on these on these past few months, one thing that I think I've learned mentally is that we do wake up every morning and decide that we're going to be married. We're going to be a married couple. We're going to get through our fights. We're going to have to reconcile at some point. Like we mentioned earlier, divorce is not an option. So. Yeah. When she leaves her socks out, we're not getting divorced over that. Okay, I do not leave <laughs> okay, my that's socks. Me. That is hundred okay. percent you. That's totally me. I'll Set admit. the record straight. <laughs> I see where you're. I thought I could get that one by. <laughs> no, but anyways, I mean, I think that you know, one thing I've learned is that we're gonna reconcile eventually. Like, why can't we just do it quickly? Yeah. And so, just lately, I think I've just done a good job of just you know getting up again and just yeah. choosing to to reconcile. You know, when we have. A fight, you know, just choosing that we're going to work this thing out. Tell the story. (laughs) So a slightly embarrassing story that happened. For both of us. Totally. Um, But also I'm kind of proud of how I I worked this out. And we laugh about it now. (laughs) We can actually laugh about it now. And you can laugh about it with us once he tells you the story. (laughs) So honestly, I don't remember what we were fighting about, which is honestly when you look back. Yeah, who remembers anyways. But it was probably like a day-long fight. We hadn't really been talking to each other. It it progressed onto the evening. Macy was doing something on her computer or reading. I was in our bedroom and it was getting about that time where we normally go to bed, you know, 10 p.m., 10.30, 11. 9.30, She's... <laughs> to be <laughs> honest. Um, and she still wasn't coming to bed. And so... And that's something my parents taught us. I think they talked about it in the last podcast was like, make it a priority to go to bed with your spouse. It doesn't matter how many kids you have. It doesn't matter how crazy late your spouse stays up. Do your best to like go to bed together and have those minutes before the day's over to connect. And so we took that and we really tried to do it. So when one of us wasn't in bed, it was like a very passive aggressive way of saying, I'm mad at you, but I'm not going to talk to you about it. So that's where I was at. I was on the couch working, quote, quote, but ideally or actually what was happening was i was just avoiding him because i was frustrated or mad about whatever it was yeah and and i'm pretty sure looking back i came out and checked on you at least once i don't think i said anything when i did so and like all the lights were turned off but i saw like a screen on so i was like okay she's still awake she'll she'll make it in there i feel like an hour passed probably wasn't that long (laughs) but in our in our tiny apartment we actually have like smart um smart lights that we can control. Like Google or Alexa, those yep. those extra household and, members. And you can do it all from, from an app. So I was like, well, she's not going to be able to sleep out there if I if I start turning lights on. Savage. <laughs> <laughs> Somewhat evil, I know. Evil approach, but reconciliation, right? Yeah, that's what you were pursuing. <laughs> yeah. So I, um, I turned on the lights in the living room. And she proceeded to turn them all off. I think she was extremely confused or maybe even scared a little bit. I was bit. scared, yeah, because <laughs> I was like, oh my gosh, someone's in the house, the tiny apartment. There's only two ways to get in. They're both in the living room. Jared can't protect me if he doesn't know I'm already dead. You know, I'm like freaking out on the inside. So I just kept turning them on and she would just keep turning them off. And 
I guess that you hit a point eventually where you just came to bed. I don't know if it was because you were scared or because you were just frustrated or couldn't sleep, but my strategy ended up working overall. <laughs> so just saying, if you have a smart home. <laughs> that's how you fix your That's problems. how you fix your problems. <laughs> no, but just, just choosing reconciliation, whatever your strategy might be, <laughs> getting each other. Passive or not. Yeah, it was definitely a <laughs> passive approach, but that's something that I feel like I've learned you know, just over these past few months is just trying to be the one that takes the first step and saying sorry or yeah. just reaching out and being like, hey, I messed up. Yeah. Even if even if it was only a small part of your mess up and the other person made the bigger mistake, I'm sure that part of it was on me. So just being able to be humble and apologize and yeah. know that we don't want to sit in this this crappy feeling moment for a long time. Yeah. And we even say that to each other, like, hey, I don't want to feel this way forever. You know, can we can we walk through this? Can we actually get to the other side? Because our marriage is worth it and, and you're worth it. And just those affirming phrases that we know we believe but in the moment. It feels so hard to say. We just encourage you to to say them and to speak it out and just push for that reconciliation. And Jared mentioned it. I don't know if I said it at the beginning or not, but we decided from day one that divorce is just not a word we're going to use in our household and it's never on the table. And so we don't throw it around. We don't like, um, like worry about the other person bringing it up or using it as like a manipulative tool. We just, we don't even say it. We might think it at moments, but we take that thought captive, make it obedient to Christ. And we just don't, we don't let it surface. And at the end of the day, like I believe that Jared, like stood up in front of all of our friends and family and said that he's going to choose me forever. And so that's what we are going to do tomorrow and the next day and the next day and just take it one day at a time. And so as we wrap up parents and spouses, that's what we want to challenge you with is we are stepping into year two and we're so excited. We're done with year one and we can't wait to see what God has in store for us for this next year. But we just want to challenge you. I think my parents challenged us on the last podcast to to go on a date and remember how you fell in love. And so this challenge for this week is go on a date or find some time alone together. Um, or maybe even if you have kids, have them talk about it with you, whatever works. And just evaluate yourself. Like evaluate that foundational, those first couple years of marriage and reminisce on the fun times, on the fights and from the good and the bad from your first year of marriage and and maybe even use those words that we use to talk, go through like, how, how are you, how were you and how are you physically and emotionally and spiritually and mentally? How have you grown and celebrate that? And what are ways that maybe you're still very much like you were when you were a single person or just married and you need to grow, like you need to push yourself. Like Jared was saying, like husbands own your relationship with God, wives own your relationship with God, make that relational line as strong as it can be because your relationship with God directly affects your rela- your marriage relational line. And we just believe in you guys. And so how we want to close this out is really quick. We just want to pray over your marriages and believe uh, full of faith that God is going to do a work in anybody and everybody who's listening to this podcast. So pray us out, babe. Yeah, of course. Yeah, Jesus, thank you just for the opportunity to uh, to be on this podcast today. Um, just thank you for everybody that, that is listening right now. Um, I just pray over their marriage, just pray favor yeah. and, you know, just peace over, over everybody's marriage that's, that's listening right now. Um, God, you, you are in every single aspect of our marriage. You're in the physical, you're in the emotional, yeah. 
you're obviously in the spiritual <laughs> and you're in the mental of it all god yeah. so just ask that that you would lead us in all four of those categories that that you were remind us that you are in it and that that we're not in this alone god and we just thank you for the gift of marriage that we still have our relationship with you we still you know yeah. get to have this intimate relationship with the god of the universe but we also have a partner going through this life so just thank you for how sweet that is and how we get to share the love that you've given us with one another yeah thank god i agree with that and i just believe the word that keeps coming to mind is worthy that your marriage is worthy that marriage is a picture of the gospel and so god would every marriage that is represented by listening to this podcast just be reminded that they are worthy that you died for them and that their marriage is worth pursuing that it is an an honorable battle and an honorable cause to take up the weapons of warfare the weapons of the spirit and to fight for their marriage and i just pray specifically over husbands who feel burdened and weary and lost in this time like jared was talking about that they would rise up, that you would give them endurance and faith and new life. And I pray for wives that they would rise up, that every single one of them would believe with their whole hearts that their marriage is worth it, that their kids are worth it, and that, God, you are doing a work. Like Philippians 1, 6 says, you're continuing to do a work until the day of completion, until we meet you face to face. And so, God, I just pray favor over these marriages, and we just ask that you bless them and keep moving them forward into more of your goodness and your kindness and your intimacy. We love you, Jesus, and we love these families. Amen. Thanks for joining us. I hope you were encouraged. I hope you walked away with something from our baby marriage that you can apply. And we just love you guys. So go be crazy. Crazycoolfamily.com.